We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Suckers, suckers <laughs> sitting in the chat, sitting there betting that we're not going to start on time. We see ya. And here we are. We're early. We're rolling out. We are ready to go with Vince D'Addario, Sean Styers. We even wore our matching shirts tonight. Look at us. Boom. That's right. <laughs> Today was the day, and that's uh, it, why it went down. It's a good choice in shirts, my friend. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Well, good to have you with us here today <laughs> and uh, i'm getting all kinds of texts now like right as the show is starting of course, of course you are. as well but uh glad to see a lot of the regulars in here with us as uh as we get rolling see there's there, like people are still trickling in they're so yeah. used to us starting late they're like i know oh, i right? got time <laughs> i know i think that's funny we got all a lot right. to talk about though and, we do uh this is the first time i've been able to be on the air talking about the game that was on saturday because I didn't go to the game and I was not on the post game show, uh, so so this is your first chance to talk about it, is it? Because you've got yeah. Upon further review, even wasn't last night, so you got that coming up tonight. That is correct. So Brian's a little under the weather, and I don't know if it's because of the game or what. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, he's a little <laughs> under the weather. So Ryan and I are going to do upon further review tonight at eight o'clock. And uh, we'll bring that show to you guys. We're going to break down the film a little bit more. Talk, you know, a little offense, a little defense, what we liked, what we didn't like, things like that. Uh, you know, from, from a coach's perspective, things of that nature. And uh, so that'll be tonight at 8 o'clock. Normally it's Sunday nights at 7. But since Brian was under the weather, he tried to go tonight. But he went ahead and, you know, hit the teammate. And uh, Ryan is going to come in. Out. Gonna, yeah, he tapped out. He's going to have Ryan take his spot. So, uh, so Yeah. It's going to be a good show tonight, so I'm looking forward to that. But first, we have a great show here. Yes, no doubt about that. And I do, I do want to do something real quick, Sean. Okay, if you'll allow me to. Okay, look over my right shoulder. Mm. I've got some new. Yes, I got, a, I got a new deal back here, and it's very. It's kind of difficult to see from the perspective of the video, but this is an all wood sign and it's all 3d all the letters the ib the logo everything it's all 3d it is one of the most beautiful things i've ever seen and my friend charlie made that for me along with a couple of other items and i was all i asked for was the ib with the shamrock i was going to put it on uh -huh. my office you know that kind of a thing help decorate the office since i've never had an office before and he's like no man i got some ideas i'm gonna surprise you with something and he made that and it, my whole office smells like fresh cut wood, first of all, which is really cool. <laughs> you took a I mean, picture of it for me Saturday and texted it to me. I forgot to respond, but it does look really cool. Like you can really tell when you took a closer up picture, right. like just in the background, it looks like it's just another Irish breakdown flag kind of, yes. you know, but and he like, modeled it after the flag, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but you it, see it the is. picture, it, it looks really cool. Yeah, really cool. It, it is. It is unbelievable. So if anybody out there is looking for something special, it's something he does on the side. Go ahead and email Brian at irishbreakdown.com and uh, he'll give that information to me. I'll get it over to Charlie. He does it on the side. He does it in his garage. He loves to do something different and he's a huge fan of Irish Breakdown. All right. Uh, he, he did a leprechaun for me. He did a pen logo for me. So anyway, he loves to do new stuff and he's very reasonable. He'll pretty much charge you for the cost essentially and have some fun with it. So if anybody's yeah. looking for some cool wooden stuff, 
Brian at irishbreakdown.com. So that's my plug. Right. Charlie, thank you very much. You the man. I appreciate it. And it will forever be behind me in our shows. Cool stuff, Charlie. Very yeah. cool stuff. Um, before we talk about Notre Dame's 44 to 21 win <laughs> over UNLV, uh, the quick reminder, hit the like button if you would yeah. while you're in here. And then of course, after the fact, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. You had to watch the game on the Peacock and we were talking about the Peacock the other day. Now, does the, you, you were explaining it. I know you were explaining it to me <laughs> Saturday because you get it with your cable. You don't actually have to stream the channel. Is that right? I do stream that because I don't have cable. It comes with okay. my internet. Um, okay. And so I do, I stream it through my Roku uh, and that's how I watch or on my iPad or my phone or whatever. So what was your experience like with the stream? Because there, you know, when these games come up the last mm -hmm. couple of years, you know, because they are stream only, you, you see people tweeting and, you know, uh, in different comment sections and stuff like that about the stream quality. One thing I've found, like a lot of people will complain, well, the buffering and all this more times than not, if it's like buffering and lagging behind, it's your own internet. Correct. It's not the actual, you know, like yeah. Peacock's fault, for example, or Netflix right. or whoever. Right. More times than not, it is that. But I'm just curious what kind of overall experience then you had with your stream. So I will admit I did not watch it live. I watched the replay, uh, but I had no issues. It was identical to every other time I've watched the replay when it's been a home game because that's how I watched the film for upon further review as I watched the replay through Peacock because that's where NBC puts the games. Right. And so I didn't watch it live. Now I have watched it live in the past and I've had zero issues with Peacock and the actual presentation of the game itself is identical to what it is on NBC. Yeah. And since I stream everything anyway, it was, it was a complete normal experience for me. I don't have cable. I have the air channels. And frankly, NBC over the air does not come in very well for me. And so I generally watch live NBC through the NBC app. Really? Gotcha. Anyway, so okay. it was perfect for me. I mean, okay. I, so, All yeah, right. I have no issues. Just curious because, you know, we were talking on Saturday about it. And, you know, because of the fact that it was not over the air, you typically right. I DVR all the other games. And, I, you know, I will DVR all the other games. But this sure. was app only. And yeah. did hear some, you know, there was, I actually talked to someone who, you know, was asking me, why, why wasn't the game on TV? Well, it was. It was <laughs> just, just not yours. Yeah. It, not you your know, TV. You knew it was going to happen. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's going to be the older generation for the most part that was going to be overly annoyed with the Peacock situation. And I get it. I do. I get it. But that, again, I watch almost everything exclusively through Roku or the app or whatever. So I'm used to it. Um, and it doesn't bother me. That's just the way, it's the way life is these days. And yeah. I'm used to it. I never dreamed I would talk this much about coffee, especially since I'm not really a coffee drinker. But ever since we first tried trade coffee, my coffee-loving wife is not only hooked, but I've even started to drink coffee. And I've got my mom hooked on it as well. Let me tell you about trade coffee. It's a coffee subscription service unlike anything you've tried before because they partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country direct to your home on your preferred schedule. Their team of experts do all the work, taste testing hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. I've told you about our collection, the rich, sweet flavor of the Big City Roast from Joe Coffee, the full flavor of the Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters, where you can actually taste the malted milk balls. We love it. And if what I got isn't up your alley, don't worry. Trade will have whatever it is that you want. You can shop their most popular coffees by roast or flavor profile, or you can take the coffee quiz like we did and get expertly matched with the coffees that you'll love. Trade is the easiest way to get your very best tasting coffee delivered fresh when you need it. You've got nothing to lose because Trade guarantees you will love your first bag. If not, they'll work with you to replace it for free. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order, plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash irish. 
That's drinktrade.com slash Irish for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the world. Give it a shot. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Michael said a lot of times it's your router. Download the That's latest true. firmware to your router. Usually fixes a bunch of problems. One thing I will do as well, like if there's something that I know is going to be going on, like I'll reset the router beforehand, mm-hmm. and that that helps kind of yeah a little bit, you know, with some of the buffering. And my router, my router literally sits right there on yeah, the floor. But, but we all know, you know, I had internet issues. Yeah, <laughs> and I've got this. Can you see it? I'll slide over. Can you see that that big black tower? Oh, big black tower. Me? That's the internet that I have now. Oh, okay. Because uh, I know you're. It's a lot better than what I had. You're out, not, not in a country per se, but outside oh, of the so. city limits. I'm outside. Yeah. So you right. have to deal with other issues when it comes to internet. So right. I I did see that. Um, we you know we and, didn't buy this house knowing I was going to be <laughs> right. Doing a, exclusive podcasting show three years later or that for that matter just point. less than a year later you know broadcasting a radio show from, from home. home for over yeah. a year <laughs> you know so. that is a good point and were you now did you hook up through the phone line that way or because you had the with the radio show yeah no we used uh the, the predominantly wireless the wireless card i did actually uh-huh. run you know like ip from where I'm sitting now to where the modem is. Gotcha. You know, but it was still, it, it was always sketchy. It yeah. was just, it was never great. We learned how to do a lot of things over that yeah. time period. That is for sure. I did a lot That's of radio right. shows with you from right over there at another seat. <laughs> and uh, it was just weird. That's yeah. what I'll say. So anyway. All right. Enough well, how about Isaiah Foskey? You want to yeah. start with that? You want to just, you know what? There, It's funny. And it, I will zero in on Isaiah Foskey here because there was a lot of negativity after the game on Saturday. Yeah. You know, and look, that's, I I wanted to start with something positive because I know there was, and I, you know, I realized there were issues and we'll get to some of the issues, but I I wanted to, I wanted to at least start with something positive before we jump into what this was bad. And And you took the word in red zone and you know, like everything else. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was like, (laughs) I, I, as I watched the game, I purposely didn't listen to anybody else's comments about the game, right? Uh-huh. I, didn't, I didn't watch the post-game show with the guys. I got home kind of in the middle of it, you know, from Kokomo. And I, I was like, well, I don't really want to, before I watch the game myself, I don't really want to listen to what they have to say. You know, other their opinions like pre-existing. Yeah, and it would, it would sink in. I mean, because I, I trust those guys, right? Mm-hmm. And then I listened to some of the post-game show today after I watched the game partly Saturday, partly Sunday. It's very negative. I get it, but there was some positive from that too. And Isaiah Foskey decided for, uh, you know, to be a star and for a star to play like a star and dominate an inferior opponent. And he did that on numerous occasions on Saturday. And that was fun to watch. He was like my junior year in high school. And, you know, again, like, you know me, I'm not like a huge guy, but I wrestled, (laughs) played football and baseball, but like, kind of toward the end you know like after two a days we had what was called the soap and scrimmage or soap and towel scrimmage did you guys Mm. ever have those when you were in in, it's like a a thing of it's like a relic of the past like the old soap and towel and like the theory you know like thing was like they called it the soap and towel scrimmage because like 
fans were supposed to show up and bring like a bar of soap or towels as as admission so that the football team, you know, could have soap for showers and that. that <laughs> that's hilarious. And that's, that's, a really, that's what they called it. The soap and really towel. But it was a big inner squad scrimmage because okay. like we didn't have like the scrimmages against other teams and stuff like that. But Makes I was sense. I was like hurt toward the end of two days. This is my junior year. And again, I'm not huge, but so my coaches, a combination of one, the fact that I kind of had this this injury, and two, I think they were trying to piss me off. <laughs> they sent me down at the start of the scrimmage with the freshmen, right? And <laughs> and it did. It pissed me off. And I was just smacking these freshmen around. It was like, get out my way, you know? <laughs> but that's what it was like watching Isaiah Foskey. Yeah. You know, it's what it reminded me of. It's just like, I'm going to beat you down because you're smaller than me. And, you know, again, I'm not a giant by any means. But, but that's a junior compared to a freshman, it doesn't matter. I mean, yes. you still have a little bit of grown man strength compared to a 14-year-old. Right. I mean, right. that's – yeah. I mean, look, and, and UNLV, they had some size. I mean, and that, But that's how Isaiah Foskey yeah. looked. He was just throwing guys around out there and, you know, it, like – just tossing him aside, like literally on those on those, those punt blocks. It was just amazing, the, you know, the way he just shot through there both times, and you know, with the sack, he was just tossing guys around like ragdolls. But that's what you expect your yeah. All American to look yes. like against a team like UNLV, and it ended up being both the offensive and, or not the offensive. That'd be something if he was the offensive. <laughs> he was the defensive and special teams MVP. Logan Diggs got offensive, but he got two out of the three for his. I effort. mean. That's pretty impressive, but then again, yeah. nobody in Notre, in the storied history of Notre Dame has ever blocked two punts in the same game. So he deserved everything that he got, and obviously he also had three sacks and a bunch of pressures too. So, I mean, he was doing it on defense. He was doing it on special teams. It was an impressive showing. Now, it was a showing that was long overdue, to be honest. Right. And it was – And that's really the bigger issue. You know, absolutely. like that's that's the other side of this is like – Yes. Where where has this been? Because he had three sacks all season going into the game. He had three sacks right. against UNLV Saturday afternoon. Right. But then again, he did what Notre Dame as a whole should have done to UNLV. Just dominated from the first whistle to the last whistle and taken advantage of not only an inferior opponent, but an inferior opponent that was missing their two best offensive players and one of their best linebackers. Like, yeah, they should have dominated that game from start to finish. There's no reason UNLV should have scored 21 points and Notre Dame should have scored a bunch more touchdowns than they did field goals. Again, is it nitpicking? Maybe a little bit, but Isaiah Foskey did what he was supposed to do, right? It was a great day. Two pump blocks and three sacks. It's a great day. Yeah. That's what he was supposed to do. And he did that. So Congratulations to him. That but we do need to say, especially with the schedule picking up now, Syracuse, Clemson, of course, Navy, Boston College, and, and USC, you know, three of the last five teams are, yep. are going to be ranked teams. And they're, he's he's going to have to pick it up, you know. And Absolutely. There's a there's a lot of guys who need to, to really pick things up. Real quick, Brian asking, he says he sees Foskey as a tweener. Where do you see him playing in the NFL defensive end or linebacker? I still think he's more defensive end. But like when I've seen like critiques and analysis of that, you know, what's now the Viper defensive end where Foskey plays, they rush him more than they drop him off. But like those guys like the Aquaras, Dalen Hayes, mm -hmm. those kind of guys have always kind of been viewed the way. Those guys are a little bit more undersized, I think, than Foskey. But because of the fact they drop him into coverage and do those things, I think there that there is that kind of question. You know, I, I think there's a little bit more of that, but I just feel like with his, like he came, he came into the post game, you know, like all of them do without their, their pads and stuff, but he had like the tight undershirt on and yeah. it's like Mr. V, you know, he is just chiseled and he's an athletic specimen yeah. with, with his, with his athletic talents. I can just see him getting on the edge and, and he should be able, should be able to have a lot of success, but I, 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 but that that is the frustrating part of this because just as you were alluding to, why hasn't he had more success before sure. he played basically an inferior opponent? I think like where that, was it against where was it against Stanford last week? Yeah, absolutely. And there were people out there, and I'll get to Brian's question in a second, but there were people out there saying, you know, he's checked out, he's just looking at the NFL draft, you know, all of these different things. And I think 
And I hope he put some of that to bed with his performance on Saturday, that he's not checked out, that he is still playing hard. But it does call into question his performance, his performances in previous games this year. I, I absolutely think that. And I will, as far as Brian's question, I will say that, yes, he is a tweener, but I think that's a good thing. I think he could be either a defensive end or a, an outside linebacker in a 3-4 where he's up on the line like as a stand-up. I yeah. think he, he could be that depending on what scheme he gets drafted into. So I think he could also fill out a little bit more and be a heavier defensive end in a 4-3 scheme. So I think being a tweener right now is actually a good thing for him because I think he could be both depending on who he gets drafted by. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that as well. <clears throat> All right, so after Foskey's day, what's the best thing to come out of this, do you think? I want, you know, if I'm looking for the big positives from this game, you know, obviously a win is a win. And at this point and the, the games that they've lost, you take a win. But as I rewatched the game and I, or, well, I actually watched it for the first time and then rewatched it, the offensive line played really well. And yeah. again, you could make the argument that they should against this UNLV team. They should be able to push those guys around. They absolutely should excuse me, be able to do that, but they did do that. And they played really well as a five, as a fivesome. I thought that Drew Pine had plenty of time to throw the ball. I don't think that they really got any kind of pressure on him. I thought in the run game, they were running against full boxes again. And we can talk about the game plan and the play calling and all of that, but they're running against full boxes and they're moving the whole defense up the field and Logan Diggs, for example, takes handoffs and he's not even getting sniffed on for three yards, you know, because the offensive line is shoving all of those guys forward and doing what they're supposed to do. And now beyond that, it's a little bit more difficult because there's just too many hats in the box for them to block. And that, again, we can talk game plan and we can talk play calling, but from a, just a fundamental executing situation, I thought the offensive line played really well. Yeah, I did too. I, I I second all that stuff, and just just hold off. We'll we'll get to the to the play calling. <laughs> I'm sure here. I know we will in a minute. I'll just go my best. I'm going to go holding UNLV 0 for 12. Yeah, on third down, and I know Brian went back and looked all the way back to 2009, and couldn't find another time when when a team didn't convert one third down. I mean that is. It's really good, obviously, you yep. know, and, and and there were nine three and outs yeah. as well. And, and it was like, it was literally like either three and out or a touchdown drive for the most part, unfortunately. And like even, even their first touchdown drive only lasted three plays. That was the most, but you know, they bust off a couple of long runs and it sets them up for those touchdowns. And it also leads to uh, just, they can't get stops. In the red zone, you know, it, like if you want to, so I'll go to the third, you know, holding them over, over, I, I, I was like jumping around, holding them over 12 on third down, the good, the bad, the red zone, the defense is dead last in the yeah. nation right now in red zone scoring. And the offense is only 84th, you know, so they're not that much better. It's like right. both sides of the ball just have to get better in the red zone. That's I don't know what else. It, it just it's it's just not good. It's and it's just amazing to think about the fact that this defense is still from a scoring standpoint holding up relatively well in terms of scoring defense, which is the ultimate statistic. But the fact that they're so bad, you know, UNLV got to the red zone three times, scored three touchdowns Saturday. Yeah, that's a good point. And Notre Dame was in the red zone a bunch, and they got a bunch of field goals. To be yes. honest, I mean that's. I forget what exactly the numbers were, but I believe Notre Dame had the ball like seven times. Started seven times in UNLV territory. There you go. Ended up with two touchdowns, I think, total out of the right. seven. And that, Tried that, to kick four field goals. It's not good. Missed they, one of them, obviously. Hit doing three. one. Yeah. Doing they started one. off at the 14 and kicked a field goal. But I know? mean, it's still, and, and even though Groupie doinked that one off the upright, can we all agree that special teams is the obvious highlight of this team right now? I mean, the, and everybody and going into the season, that was everybody's big question mark and complaint was the punting and the place kicking. And I would say those are the two highlights of the team up to yeah. this point. And well, but, 
that's a whole other nobody had ever blocked two punts in a game for Notre Dame right. and now, yeah. now they've they've blocked three in the last two weeks four overall this season that's a Notre Dame record four punt blocks like you know it's it's kind of come out of no it's like boom all of a sudden there they are but I think Brian Mason's really finding his groove I know that there's some annoyance with you know lack of kickoff returns and stuff like that there have been a lot of touchbacks though like right and Tyree is not getting a lot of opportunities right. and obviously you know he had a short one the other day you'd, you'd like to see him do better there but when you can affect a game by blocking right. a punt especially when you know most punts are going to take place in the opponent's territory because mm -hmm. the closer you get to midfield the more likely you are to try to go for it sure when you can block four punts i mean you're affecting games big time and and you know as far as the kick returns are are, are concerned i mean if you were an opposing team, would you kick it to Chris Tyree? I, I wouldn't. I would try to kick it out of the back of the end zone. And any kicker on a Division One team can kick it into the end zone. And so you're not going to have Chris Tyree field the ball in the middle of the end zone and try to take it out when all he has to do is fair catch and you get it on the 25. You know, if he catches it in the middle of the end zone, he's got to return it 30 yards just to get it to the 25. So, I mean, the numbers, as far as a... As far as kick return is concerned, you do have to play the numbers game to a degree, right? Because you're guaranteed to get the ball at the 25 if you fair catch it. Most of the time, that's going to be better than you returning it, right? So I don't really have an issue with that because I think teams are kicking it beyond where Chris Tyree is, and that is what it is. So, but, you know, on punt returns, he's returning. He's doing his best to return those kicks. Yeah. I think he's doing a good job. I think Brandon Joseph is doing a good job. Arguably, I think he does better as a punt returner than he does as a safety. That's also another conversation. Uh, but I, I think special teams as a whole, I think, has been outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Let me ask you this as we shift gears. And I agree. Uh, yeah. Special teams right. has been yeah. outstanding. Now, I, I hope that means we don't have to get, you know, the, the, the comments all the time about, you know, special teams not being outstanding because <laughs> – we were still getting those. Like every week, we would still get those rolling in. It's like, where is this coming from? Yeah, seriously. You know? But um, play calling. You mentioned play calling. And a lot between the tackle stuff still. And especially with Chris Tyree, which I don't think either one of us understands. This, Let me float this right. idea at you. I'm not saying this is like a... A theory, maybe it's a working theory. Okay, you know, it's it's something that popped into my head as like the only thing maybe that could excuse what we've seen the last couple of weeks oh, oh, okay. between the tackles stuff. Could it be <clears throat> you had Stanford, which obviously you thought was going to be a powder puff, and you were just going to run right over, and you had UNLV this week, right? Okay, and we've seen pretty much the same. Yes, game we have. Plan. Jam it between the tackles, right? A gap, B gap, A gap, B gap. With Syracuse and Clemson on the horizon, okay, could it be that they essentially vanillaed things up with the in intention of not showing either one of those better teams very much, you know, right before Notre Dame plays them? Is that possible? Sure. If that is actually, if it comes out that that is the case. I mean, we'll only know if we see a completely different yeah, yeah. offense this week, right? No, 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 you're right, because they've had every opportunity to change up the offense and they haven't done it. If that is the case, then my questions about Tommy Reese go even deeper, to be honest <laughs> with you. They just do, because that is the most, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I'm not saying that because you said it. You, you got to no. understand where I'm coming from. If that's the case. And I see where you're coming from on this. I can't believe. Because it's like, it's so obtuse to yes. keep doing what they're doing. Yes. Like. <laughs> I I would be embarrassed to cash my paycheck if that was him. I mean. Yes. If that, if that is what happens, if we see a whole new offense come out in the, what used to be called the Carrier Dome or when they play Clemson or whatever, right? If we see a whole new offense. I am going to sit back speechless. You know, speechless. and again, like it's UNLV. So it's, it, it was a different kind of opponent than Stanford, smaller bodies, a little bit quicker, theoretically, and that kind of stuff. So 
I guess I can understand, you know, kind of power smash math football against this team as opposed to Stanford. But, sure. you know, like, I think it was one two-back set that we saw with the exception of victory formation. Like, if you counted victory formation, technically more. But one count. over the course of the game, right? And again, it's been one of their better personnel groupings and you know we continued to see and then we even saw the Mitchell Evans thing you know with the with the Mitchell Evans yeah the short yardage whatever that was the Travis Kelsey play can we call it that right it's Tommy's creativity it's Tommy's creativity yes what I heard uh yeah sampling yeah he's (laughs) sampling and if that doesn't tell you he watches NFL games on Sunday I don't know what does I mean that's pretty obvious that that's where he's drawing his inspiration from, and that's a bit disturbing. Well, he's not drawing the inspiration for what he's calling right now otherwise, though, from well, NFL. Fair enough. Because they're not running that every set. I don't know who's running that. on The Tennessee Titans might be running that with freaking Derrick Henry, but, you know, the closest thing they have to Derrick Henry, and I don't mean, you know, this is – Audrick Estime's got to hold on to the ball. I guess Absolutely. that's what I and say I, about that. That's the look, closest thing they have to him, and he's not yeah. he's not securing the football right now. Right, and I have no problem with him not playing until they get that figured out. I mean, I he he's a beast when he's in the game. I get it, but he has now fumbled twice in really key moments of the game. You can't do that, and if you can't trust the guy to hold on to the ball, you can't play him. So I do understand that as much as I would love to see uh, Estime on the field. I get why he's not currently. Now, I don't think he's going to be in the doghouse the rest of the year. And frankly, I think it's a toss-up as to which running back they play generally because I'm pretty sure the last three games they've started a different running back all three games. Yeah. So I think they're like flipping a coin in the locker room like before the game starts. All right, who's going to start this week? Uh, Hey, it's going to be Logan Diggs. All right, you get get 100 yards today. You get 100 yards. So I, I think that... I don't think there's any rhyme or reason to it. Somebody said, well, clearly Diggs is the featured back. Yeah, I'd pump the brakes on that until we see next game. Well, and I don't think Diggs gets 28 carries if if Audric Estime <laughs> can hold on to the football. That's true. I mean, that's that's Audric Estime's time. You would have seen him closing out there, just pounding that thing. And yeah, I, I think that's a bit. And it's again, it's nothing against Logan Diggs because he looked great behind that offensive line doing exactly what they needed to do, just grinding yards, grinding clock out, and doing what he was supposed to do. And he looks better and more physical yeah. all the time. His pass blocking looks good. There's you yeah. know, there's a lot of good things he's doing, but they want to keep that rotation at three. And you know, I just I don't think he has that big a game if if Audric Estime holds on to the ball the last two weeks. Yeah, I think they were trending towards Estime being kind of the quote unquote featured back. And then he just can't hold on to the football. And now he's not, I think that, but then I've also heard rumblings that Diggs is Tommy quote unquote, Tommy's guy. Uh, and maybe they was just waiting for that opening to get Diggs in. I, well, Cause I that's kind of what it seemed like early in the season when he yes. was out there, but he wasn't really effective. Yeah. I, I it's, Oh, there you go. Brandon. Uh, thanks for the super chat. He says, is Logan Diggs the lead running back now because he's Tommy's boy. Or do we feel that he's earned that role? I think all three of them have earned playing time. I mean, yeah. and if we're talking about who earns the most, estimation should be third because he, can't, you know, he's got a fumbling issue, uh, and which he's never had in the past. Like it, when he fumbled that first one, it was like I've never fumbled before in my entire life, and now he's fumbled a, a few times, right? So right now he's the third guy, and that's the way it should be. Ryan and I are going to do our show at eight o'clock upon further review. And he was kind of mentioning something along the lines of Brandon's point about being Tommy's boy. So I'm interested to see what Ryan has to say about the situation. So you'll have to tune in at eight o'clock and we'll definitely cover that because I'm going to ask him straight up. Like, what are you talking about? What do you mean by that? And if I see Diggs as the main back against Syracuse, then I will believe that he is the now the lead back. I just, I have a hard time with that right now just because of how many backs have been used and how they've been used. I mean, like I said, the last three games, we had three different starters. Clearly, Logan Diggs was the lead back for last game against UNLV. No doubt about it. He had by far the most carries. He had by far the most yards. I mean, he did a really good job. He, he He was given that role, and he did a great job with it. So I will say that, okay? Will that be the same case when they go on the road to 
Syracuse, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to get that role. I mean, based on the way he played against UNLV, then yeah, he should play more. But I don't know if that is going to be the case. I don't know. Nothing about this offense and who they picked to start at running back has made sense to me, if I'm being honest. And I really don't know what the case is going to be with the running back situation. Is it going to be Logan Diggs again? Is it going to be Chris Tyree? Is it is Audrey Gustave going to be out of the doghouse? I don't know the answer to any of that. We're going to have to wait more six more days at noon, by the way, to figure all of that out. Welcome back, Sean. So I know what we were talking about running backs. I, I just Chris Tyree has got to be utilized more again. Yes, absolutely. Like, we were pounding that table, and you know a lot of people were pounding that table. And then lo and behold, the cow came comes comes around. Chris Tyree gets utilized. They do that for what two and a half games, and now all of a sudden, Chris Tyree has disappeared again. The only times we see Chris Tyree is again between the tackle stuff. The guy is fast. They're not throwing to the running backs anymore. And again, you know that's again like when I floated that theory out there that I floated at you. It's like I, I don't know what else it could be at this point because yeah. you had something that was working. And you've completely decided to go away from it. You've you've completely underutilized Chris Tyree. And in the meantime, you know, your quarterback is either hitting wide open receivers or dropping the football or, you know, not throwing to wide receivers and locking in on Michael Mayer still and doing all these different things. The running backs need to be a part of the passing game because they're still not getting enough of what they need from the passing game out of anybody other than Michael Mayer right now. No, I completely agree, and that's where the 21 personnel comes in. I mean, why yes. are you not putting Chris Tyree in the slot and running those you know, end of rounds and things like that to him, right? And and I have yeah. no problem running to, to Braden Lindsey. He does a good job with those. He always has. He's been doing that since he was a true freshman, right? I have no problem with them running to him, but you can do it more often, and you can use a guy like Chris Tyree to do it, right? And, and somebody asked about Chris Tyree returning punts. Chris Tyree's a kick returner, not a punt returner. And there's a big difference yeah. as to the skill set of what that is. Chris Tyree is not a he, he's not a juke guy, right? And that's kind of what you need to do. You gotta make the first guy miss, and then you gotta make another guy miss, and then you hit your afterburners when it comes to punt return. Kick return is man, you get it and you go. And there might be one cut, and then it's off to the races. That's what a kick returner is. It's just a completely different skill set. And I think he's more naturally a kick returner as opposed to a punt returner. So yeah, I, I would agree that. with that. I would agree with that. Um, DT says, I have to say, I think a lot of this is still on Drew Pine. You know, I do agree with that because. Sure. He missed we, open touchdowns. Yeah. We're 14 of 28 for 205 yeah. yards. That's not good. Again, no. especially when you start off with the ball in opposing territory as much as you did, and you had to settle for four field goal opportunities. That's. Sure. That's not good. Um, I, you know, I, I guess the only thing I would say to that is, you know, we even bought into the Drew Pine hype after the BYU game when he had another, you know, massive, you know, above 70% passing game. But he was doing it. For three games, he was doing it. And sure. then it's like midnight struck and <laughs> Drew Pine has completely regressed to the mean. And that's what we've seen these last yeah. couple of games and, and you know is it is it things defenses are doing is it is it drew pine I, I think most of it is on drew pine right now because again they're open receivers he's just not seeing now you know even mayor had a couple drops lorenzo styles obviously had the drop so you know so like those help those keep drives going and and things like that but this is still a backup quarterback and for all the you know the 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 anti-Buckner stuff that we had at the start of the season, there is a reason Tyler Buckner was the starting quarterback coming Correct. into this season. And it wasn't close. I mean, there, right. there wasn't – yes, there was a competition, but it was over pretty fast. And Tyler Buckner is the one that secured the starting job, and he would still be the starter if he hadn't gotten hurt. I mean, that that that's that, those are the facts, right? Yeah. And, again, I, I will also say that this isn't just bang on Drew Pine – are we asking him to do things that he can't do to a degree, but not really because I think I hate to say that. No, I don't hate to say this because it's true. It's coaching. You, 
you need to coach out of him to throw it to Michael Mayer every time. Yeah. Period. You have to coach that out of him. And I said it last week, put Michael Mayer on the sideline during practice. He could sit all week and still be fine on Saturdays. Okay. You have to teach Drew Pine to throw to somebody else. Now, the problem is some guys have dropped the ball, literally. And that doesn't help his confidence in throwing it to other people. I get that. Right. But he's also overthrowing other people or underthrowing other people. His accuracy is an issue. And I said that when he got the job in the first place, his accuracy is going to be an issue. He was a 50% passer last year. He had three games this year, you know, two and a half, three, you know, but three games where he was well over, he was at 72% for those three games total. But again, regression to the mean, he's back to being a 50% passer right now. And that's got to get better. But one, again, one of the things that I think helps that is what I was just talking about, getting the running backs involved in the passing game again. It sets up Such little layups. Throws. It gets him into a yep. groove, gets him going, you know, that kind of stuff. And yep. Yep. they've just completely gone away from it these last couple games. I, I agree. He needs – look, I think by now, I mean, he started, what, five games at this point? We know who Drew Pine is, right? He's a guy – that number one feeds off energy, feeds off rhythm, feeds off of that kind of stuff. You and I talked about this in the pregame show on Saturday, I believe. That's who he is. You need to set him up early for some layups. That's what you need to do, whether it's to Michael Mayer, whether it's to running backs, whether it's slants, whether it's hitches. Not Lorenzo Styles right now. (laughs) That's fair too. No offense to Lorenzo Styles. But when you're one of the nation's leaders in drop passes – Look, you want to go to somebody you're 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 sure who's going to catch the football. And right away. I completely agree with that. And something's up with him. And I don't know if it's coaching. I, I don't know if it's a confidence problem. I don't know what's going on. I mean, that's a whole other issue, I think. But you have to give Drew Pine some layups. Then he can start stretching the field. Then he can start doing some other things. And I think he'll be okay. I think he'll win some games for you. There's no doubt about that, right? That's who Drew Pine is. He's not a game breaker. He is the definition of a game manager, to be honest with you, but he needs a running game and he needs play action in order to be successful. And your run game needs to be successful by not running it between the tackles all the time too. So that's obviously another thing that we can talk about, but yeah, there's just a lot. There's a multitude of issues offensively right now. Drew Pine is one of those issues, but he's not the only issue, right? I mean, he can't be a 50% completion passer and be super successful with this team you can't be so it it, yes he's maturing yes he's still a first-time starter but he is five games in he's not getting better so that you have to coach around who he is at this point you have to Marcus Freeman has talked about, you know, playing to the strength of the personnel. He talked about it today, playing to the strength of the personnel right. that they have. And you've got to find a way to bring that out of him. They talked about simplifying things last week. If you need to simplify a little bit more, you know, again, it's like, where's the balance? Because we've talked, okay, like you shorten the playbook a little bit. You don't, you don't give these guys too much, but at the same time, it's like, Okay, you don't have to shorten it so much that all you're doing is 12 personnel between the tackles right. running the football Absolutely. or throwing incomplete passes, you know? Right, no no doubt about that. And somebody says, give Angeli a shot. No, no. Drew Pine is still your starting quarterback. Okay, so, so let's let's talk about Steve Angeli because okay. that's, not, that's not an option. Because, <laughs> no, it's just not. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Because And, you know, he came up today, and what Marcus Freeman said today was kind of what we were just saying. It's like, he's a true freshman, so you you obviously don't he, – he doesn't know the playbook to the extent that Drew Pine knows the playbook, which means that he doesn't know as much as Drew Pine in the offense. So, you know, like, he's th- that can be good on the one hand because you don't want him to have to do – as much, but at the on the other hand, it limits the kind of things that you can sure. ask him to do. And I asked him right after the game Saturday, you know, Angeli obviously came in, handed off a couple of times, 
Right. And then Drew Pine, you know, then the Mitchell Evans play. And then the next series, Drew Pine comes back. And I, you know, so I asked Marcus Freeman, like, was there thought about getting him back in there at any point or did the score dictate that? And he said, yeah, the score dictated that, that, you know, they only, they weren't going to go back to Steve Angeli in like a two possession game. You know, they wanted it to be like a true, okay, mm-hmm. we've got a, a, a enough of a cushion here and now we're going to get maybe Steve Angeli and some of these other young guys in. If that's what your thought process is about, that's how we're going to get Steve Angeli on the field. That obviously tells you what they're seeing from him right. is not a quarterback that's ready to run the offense right now and, and lead a team on Saturdays. So that's why I say it's not an option. And right. again, it's nothing against Steve Angeli. He's just not ready. He's obviously not ready. Because again, when you've got a 50% quarterback who took a shot to the head, which I still want to talk about here sure. in a second, but you know, like all those things, Steve Angeli is just not ready to go right now. <laughs> and I, I do have to bring this up. Ray says, can't be because he's a true freshman. Klubnik is a true freshman, and Dabo put him in the highest pressure moment of their season. Uh, Steve Angeli is not Cade Klubnik. Klubnik is a five-star quarterback. He's not, not even like, in the same universe right. as Klubnik. So can we shut that down for a second? Because when when Steve Angeli committed to the University of Notre Dame, he was a three-star quarterback, if I'm not mistaken. I believe he might have gone up to four-star on some of the – the other sites after he committed to Notre Dame, but that's who he is. You, I'm no, these are not the same kid. Okay, no. they're just not. So, yes, they're both freshmen, but you know, Klubnik is more along the lines of Trevor Lawrence. Yes, than you know, right? Like Steve Angeli is not that ballpark. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tom Brady's a couple years older than me too, but we're not in the same ballpark when it comes to playing quarterback. Right. And you look, know, we, you know. Vince, you and I have talked about quarterback recruiting a, a, a few times in the last week on this show. I think we all agree. Like when you look, there were there were questions earlier about what's going on with the quarterback room. The recruiting at the recruiting philosophy at quarterback has to change. Yes. And like if you're talking about the 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 job security and the future of the current offensive coordinator, that alone has to be the biggest thing that changes yeah. from the guy who's recruiting that position going Absolutely. forward. You can't go because again, like what they've done, it's like, okay, they've went out and they've gotten, you know, like some, some four-star high four-star type guys. It's like, okay, you get your four-star and now we're going to get two, three stars to right. fill out the rest of the roster. Right. And that's, that's how they've done it. Rather than saying, let's go out and we're going hell bent. We're going to get fours and fives. Yes. We're going to fill our quarterback room with four and five star guys and they're all going to compete for jobs. And if, you know, the guy who ends up losing the job ends up transferring, we'll live with that because we're going to have higher end talent in that room. And that's, that's ultimately what it, what it comes down to. If you, you know, if you're really frustrated with the level of the quarterback room right now and the play of the quarterbacks, it comes down to that. They just haven't got high enough and been able to get high enough recruited guys to come in. And, you know, I, I do want to give Ray credit. He goes, I understand that. That's my point. It's not because he's a true freshman. It's because Angeli sucks. Well, I'm not I, saying I, I Angeli, say sucks, Angeli sucks either. But he's not <laughs> he's ready. He's just a freshman and he's not ready to go. It, because of the level that he was recruited at. That's why right. he's not ready to go, right? And so you're at, Ray, I'm with you 100%. I apologize if I took your comment out of context. It's because he's a true freshman and because of who he is as far as a football player, right? So – but I agree with you completely, Sean, when it comes to quarterback recruiting. Now, they were going, you know, they had Tyler Buckner, who I think was a good recruit. He probably would have been a low five-star if he would have played his senior year. Right. Okay. Then you go down to Steve Angeli. Then you go up to Dante Moore, which is who they thought that they were going to get in the 23 class. Right. Obviously, they dropped the ball, and we can talk about that some other time. They dropped the ball big time with him. He's now at Oregon, and you've got nobody in the 23 class. And then they got a really good kid in Carr in the 24 class, who's, by the way, not going to reclassify, reclassify. as far as I know. So let's everybody pump Even though everybody still too. is on that train. but Because <laughs> we want a 17-year-old running the show at Notre yeah, Dame. That's what we want, right? I know. So the quarterback recruiting has been a major, major problem. And if you look at the team's that are competing at the national level, they bring in five-star after five-star after five-star. And if they lose the battle, then they transfer. And they bring in another five-star. Yes. That's what you do. You got to load up on the five-star quarterbacks, let them compete it out, 
and know that somebody's going to transfer. So you bring in another five star right behind them. That's what you have to do. And Notre Dame is not doing that. Yeah. Period. Exactly. Period. Exactly. So they're on the right track with Carr. That's great. But who are they going to bring in after him? Are they going to bring but in it, anybody in the twenty three class? But at the same time, look, I'm I'm not I'm not going to fault Drew Pine. For right. accepting a scholarship to Notre Dame and then coming to Notre Dame and working his butt off and doing everything that he can. You know, it's a little bit like Tommy Reese when Tommy was here. He just, you know, there, there's right. there's some good stuff between the ears. The physical traits aren't all right. quite there. And, the, you know, the guy works really hard, you know, he so I'm not, and, and he cares a lot about it. So, like, I'm not going to bash the guy because, you know, he's, you know, throwing a ball in the ground every now and then. It's frustrating to watch, obviously. He wants to get better. And, you know, I, I think that we've seen that he can play well. I, I think it's a matter of, you know, just sort of figuring it out. But there's going to be big questions, you know, like oh yeah, just a couple of weeks ago, everybody thought that, well, Tyler Buckner's going to transfer now because Drew Pine's going to be the starting quarterback. Yeah, Nick, you know, and all now this everybody, now Drew Pine's like, garbage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, woo, woo, woo. Yeah, it just, yeah. Agreed. And it, do you remember two weeks ago after, I think it was after the BYU game, everybody's like, I, there's no way you cannot start Drew Pine next year going right. into 20. You, there's no way. And now it's like they want to burn him in effigy <laughs> in the exactly front yard. Right. That's you know, exactly it's right. It just, look, I love all the fans out there because obviously you help clothe my children. So I appreciate <laughs> that. Okay. But it is hilarious to me, the ebbs and the flows of people and their love and hate for various players on Notre Dame's roster. It just true. absolutely cracks me up, man. Very cracks true. me up. Very true. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.